Welcome to Raw Recovery, a Trudging Together podcast. My name is Dion Miller, and I am your host. It's been a few weeks, and I'm so happy to get back to our podcasting. Um, and uh, our guest today, Jerry, and I were just talking about this a little bit. She was asking what it was like for me um, to listen to a lot of stories. And guys, I love listening to. I love being a part of your stories. I love being a part of your lives. Um you know, if I could go through life knowing I helped one person out because something I said or did, I would die a happy man. I would like to introduce Jerry. Jerry, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Dion. I'm glad to be here. Most certainly. Um, so Jerry is in my home group. I'm not going to announce my home group because it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> and I've gotten to know her over the last few months and I really like a a lot of what Jerry has to say so I asked her to be on um and and give her and and give us her experience strength and hope so Jerry I'm gonna go ahead and open it on up uh the show is yours oh thank you Dion and 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 I hope I can do okay as you know I've been having trouble with my my voice Mm -hmm. Um, this isn't my normal voice because what happened was, uh, I had some health issues, uh, going on and, you know, they found out I have, um, uh, lung cancer and Mm -hmm. I'm dealing with that. So I find it kind of interesting that I'm getting to share my story in spite of everything that goes on. We still do this, you know, no matter what. And, um, and and it's just a privilege to be here with you. Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and thank you for being willing to come on even while it's going on, you know, right. um, here's the thing is, um, you know, if let's say something would have happened to me and I was still drinking, I still would have drank. So therefore I still do service work. I still, no matter what's going on, because that's, that's like yeah. living the other side there. So yeah. Yeah, and it's important to know that we still have uh, solutions. And for me, uh, any kind of problem that that I'm experiencing, especially one that has really kind of turned me sideways like this one, uh, still requires a spiritual solution. It's, you know, I still need to practice those principles that uh, I've learned over the past, uh, this month, it'll be 25 years of sobriety for me. And... um, you know, uh, it's still finding that solution to every problem that comes up. And uh, before um, AA, it was, uh, I would drink it away or, mm-hmm. you know, do drugs or smoke pot or whatever uh, to make these things go away. And the only way I really did that was passing out, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and they went away, but then they got worse and yeah. worse and worse, mm-hmm. you know. And so... Um, I feel like I've, even though this is kind of a big deal, um, that God has really found the solution for me with a team of uh, medical uh, doctors and, mm-hmm. and personnel that are helping me uh, quite a bit. 
Yeah. And I'm keeping centered by doing the same thing that I was taught 25 years ago. Go to meetings, uh, ask God to keep me sober in the morning, mm-hmm. thank him at night, uh, get a sponsor, read the big book. It just, you know, and, and it has to be a way of life. It can't just be um, an intellectual exercise. Absolutely. Well, and I've noticed while you've been going through this also is that you've been reaching out to other people and then you're going to your professionals and you're advocating for yourself, which I think is pretty, I think that's pretty important for us. It is. It is very important. And, you know, there's not just with AA uh, and the support that I've gotten from AA, but also through the medical community online and different uh, Mm -hmm. health portals and questions you can ask. It's always been there. We just didn't know where to go to get the, the answers to what was troubling us. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, the thing the things that used to baffle us. Right. No longer baffle us. <laughs> we we have a way out, you it's know. Fantastic. And so um I'm just gonna go back in my story. Okay, okay. it what happened. Um <clears throat> I was born I'm a native of Colorado and I was born in on, La, on La Vida Pass. Oh, okay. Yeah, down in southern Colorado, uh, west of Walsenburg, Uh and near Fort Garland, which is an old, old military fort. Uh And so uh, my dad was a a sheep herder, and my mother was a housewife, and they had seven kids, and I was the youngest of seven. And uh, alcoholism invaded the the family, and all the kids were taken away because... uh, of the poor living conditions, the poverty, okay. uh, alcoholism, and I was put into the uh, Colorado State Children's Home uh, for neglected independent children. That was in um, that orphanage was in in Denver. Okay, how old were you? I was three years old. I was the youngest of seven kids. Okay, and so um, it's almost like one day I woke up and I was there. I don't yeah. remember anything prior to that. Wow. You know, yeah. at all. And so that's really all I knew was uh, house parents that took care of me. I went to public schools. Uh, I lived with uh, about 300 other kids, uh, uh-huh. both boys and girls, at, not in the same buildings. I mean, the boys had their side and yeah. had their side. And that was shut down. I think it was 1971. They okay. shut that down. It's been around for many, many years. <clears throat> but I went in and and um, I I left there when I was um, 1965 when I graduated from high school. Okay. And uh, I went to a two-year college, and I never experienced such freedom, not being not being under rules and regulations, and basically I just went crazy. Okay? Yeah. Crazy. Sure. Wild. Yeah. Sure. Well, you went from like a lot of structure all your life. Right. like not much guidance not much guidance at all you know uh i actually i had my first drink of alcohol while i was still in the orphanage okay because i went to public schools and sure and we went uh i went to this kid's house and we got into a liquor cabinet and yay and (laughs) uh you know the first time i drank alcohol it was that burn going down your throat yeah and it was um gosh, the freedom that you, you hit this place in this, um, 
experience that I will never forget as long as I live. Mm -hmm. And that I would chase that place for the rest of my life. Yeah. I would chase it. Uh, I drank so much. And this is the first time out of the gate. I don't believe I became an alcoholic. I believe I was always an alcoholic. Agreed. Okay. And so I, I would chase this place that I first experienced alcohol as being a uh, magical place. I I didn't feel like an orphan. I felt Mm -hmm. so free and I felt like I knew who I was for the first time in my life. That's big. And I just kept drinking it and drinking it, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, wanting that uh, to make the experience last and be bigger. And I, you know, I wanted more of this magical stuff I was drinking. And I drank till uh, I was screaming practically because I lost control and I wasn't used to that. Okay. okay. Yeah. And so it got really scary at that point. Yeah. And I just started yelling. This kid's scared. Everybody's scared. And we got caught, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it was like those ex- early experiences like that, that first experience is you forget about the bad parts, the throwing up the room spinning, all Mm -hmm. that stuff. But I never forgot how it made me feel. Mm -hmm. How I felt so complete and so wonderful and just everything about it was wonderful. For for me, it felt like coming home. Like, I never belonged ever until that moment in life. And then like the biggest epiphany, you know, maybe it was an epiphany or whatever you want to call it. But everything in my life changed. Yeah, I felt like I'd come home. Yeah. And 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 I felt like I wasn't in the orphanage. Yeah. You know? And it was a it was a wonderful, wonderful feeling. Um, and you don't forget that. And I think that uh for myself, I can only speak for myself and my experience, it, it was that spiritual hunger mm-hmm. was, I that would stay with me the rest of my life. That's really, really what I wanted. Yeah. It was a spiritual, um, you know, hunger that I had that I would seek that experience. And in, in seeking that, I think that's what brought me to Alcoholics Anonymous mm-hmm. uh, in 1976 was the first time. Okay. Almost 45 years ago. Yeah. And, um, but I went to this uh, two-year college and I party and drank and found <laughs> all about boys and dating and being in love and just being in the mm-hmm. fantasy you know, yeah. the fantasy you, you you create this fantasy that i got it from tv or some movies or something yeah. mm-hmm. and it was like i was out to the movies in my head really yeah um, absolutely what a great way to put it yeah <laughs> <You know? laughs> went out to the movies in my head yep That's, yeah that was me yeah that that was me dion i just I could go, and especially drinking, I could go to that place again, except Mm -hmm. you never quite reach it. That was the deal. You never quite get there. It's always Mm -hmm. elusive Mm -hmm. from the first time that you did that, okay? And so in my relationships, and I didn't know how to have relationships, uh, I was seeking uh, for someone to rescue me, okay? Mm And make this uh, uh, this fantasy land come true, that I somebody would take care of me and everything would be, uh, and have a happy ending. Mm-hmm. That's what I was look. That's what I saw in the movies anyway. Sure. Yeah. 
And so uh, that's it. I went from relationship to relationship, uh, trying to find uh, that fantasy world again, mm -hmm. you know, in, in reality. And I never quite fit in. Yeah. I just never really quite fit in with normal people. Mm -hmm. And I always said it was because I was brought up in an orphanage. But that I found out later mm -hmm. in AA that that was not true. You know, people uh, like to, well, in my case, I thought it was because that's the way I grew up. I drank alcohol because of the way I grew up. Okay. You know, and, um, or the Catholic Church did it to me and all these ideas I had about that. Sure. But the truth of it is, is that the reason that I drink is because I'm an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Period. There's yeah. no other reason. Yep. I drink alcohol and alcohol does something to me that it doesn't do to normal people. Yeah. They they may get I, I don't know. I've never drank normally, so I don't know. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I've watched them. They can sit down a, a half a glass of wine and be okay. Yeah. But I don't know. Uh I, I can't do that. I have uh, all of a sudden it sets up that obsession to drink. Yeah, I mean even just the thought of having one drives my brain crazy. I, I, I just, I can't, I, I don't understand it. So, you know, I, I don't understand it either. Yeah. I don't, I got, I got kicked out for hat uh, from a two year college that I finished up here in, in Denver Okay. later, but it, it, because I had alcohol in the dorm and that was a no, no. And I got kicked okay. out for having yeah. that. Well, uh, Every time I got in trouble, alcohol was involved. Yep. Every single, I wrecked every single car I ever owned. Mm -hmm. And back then, you didn't get us into as much trouble okay. as you do today. Yeah. You know, with, I don't know. I with guess drinking and driving. and Yes, it's really bad today. Yeah. yeah, DUIs, I don't even think that stuff came out until the end of the 80s. Right. DWAIs and DUIs and stuff. Right. So. Uh, they had um, they had uh, uh, places you could go to detox, mm -hmm. okay. And I went to those. I went to uh, treatment centers. They had had those. My insurance paid for some of that. Okay. And um, but I, my cars were always banged up. I was always mm -hmm. running into things, and and <laughs> you know, there are several experiences that I've had where I should have died. One was I passed out on a couch. Then I, I used to smoke back then. Okay. And um, I was smoking. Well, actually, I, I clear up till I was eight years sober, and then I quit smoking. Okay. So I smoked for years and years. And, um, and you know, one time I came to and my head was in a hole in the couch and the couch had burned all the way around my head. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, Whoa. you know, how in the heck did that happen? It was the way I passed out with the cigarette. Yeah. And it, it was just kind of smoldering. Yeah. And what woke me up was the heat on my face. Yeah. That, that I came out of that. And thank you, God. Oh, no kidding. And we get some close calls. I, we, you know, we uh, do. I, I passed out at a, a at Green Arrow, and a, a family hit me. 
okay. uh, that had children in their car and they were very concerned uh, about me. Yeah. Um, just those kinds of experiences that we should have, I should be dead, really. That's yeah. the truth. Absolutely. And, and I'm still here. And it's by God's grace and mercy, mm -hmm. really. Oh, yeah. So, you know, these experiences that, and that, you know, I still, I came to AA in 1979. Okay. And uh, I saw this God business going on and I said, oh my God, it's a cult. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. Yep. <laughs> but what, you know, one of the experiences that I want to share with you is that, you know, I, I felt like I, I wanted to be like a movie star or something. This is part of the fantasy. Yeah. Okay. And, um, you know, I was smoking. I had fair Boston hairdo where, you know, it was heavily sprayed and all mm -hmm. pretty. And I was getting drunk. I had a low cut dress on and, and all of a sudden, uh, the side of my hair went up in flames. Oh. And I started putting it out, slapping it out. And you would think I would go home with a half a head of hair, but I didn't. I just stayed at the bar and kept drinking. Yeah. You know, doesn't that make sense to you? Sure. I mean, it, heck, it's I already mean, half gone. I might as well keep drinking. Right. I was already really. Well, sick. by that point, you're probably who? Yeah. Whoa, look at my head. You were the okay. center of oh, attention. Was a, yeah. Was a, you heck know, yeah. You I, probably have boys all over you. Yeah. <laughs> That's why right. you didn't want to leave. <laughs> That's right. You know, I was real cute and all that. Yeah, I, I saw your picture on there. You, yeah. you were a looker. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we know how to use all that kind of stuff, you know? Yes, we do. And so, um, you know, my life was uh, always, I was always seeking something. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know I was seeking God, but I was always seeking that, seeking that spiritual connection to that feeling that I had. Mm -hmm. And the truth of it is, is actually God came to me uh, out of an experience I had in a garden. Okay. At a friend's house, I was separated from my first husband. I went and stayed with a friend and I was in her garden and I had this experience. This is way before AA. I think I was about 23 years old at the okay. time. And, um, you know, it was, it was the same experience feeling that I had when I drank alcohol that first time. Hmm. Every fat thing felt like um, I belonged. I knew who I was. Wow. I never wanted to leave this place. Mm -hmm. um, and it was God. Yeah. Okay. And, and somehow I knew that. I don't know how I knew it, but I knew it. Yeah. I would chase that experience too. Yeah. Again. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. So I went to different churches. Okay. I can't tell you how many times I, you know, how they say come to Jesus. Mm -hmm. I had those come to Jesus moments and I couldn't stop drinking. Yeah. I couldn't. Spiritual experiences. Um, I can't go back to that place. I can only go forward. And I kept trying to go back. Yep. To that place of serenity, that place of peace, that place of feeling whole. And uh, so I would look outside of myself for the solution. Mm -hmm. Okay, if only I had a better job, if only I was smart enough, if only I was enough. You know, I always came from that place of not being enough. Mm -hmm. So how can I 
have those experiences in this world, in the world yeah. that I live in. Absolutely. When you're keeping yourself down. Right. Right. And so, you know, me relationships, uh, trying seeking love in all the wrong places, you know, mm -hmm. the, that. the number yeah. one song on my show <laughs> right so you probably know about this right do you do. <laughs> yeah and so you know we i i just feel as, as alcoholics I, you know i'm bodily and mentally different than my normal friends and mm -hmm. and my normal friends i don't know if they're normal or not but i know that they don't drink alcohol and, and think like i do i do mm -hmm. know that and so you know um I had this sense and I went to different churches and tried to find uh, what I was looking for there. And I can't tell you how many times I had holy water thrown on me mm -hmm. and I still wasn't finding what I needed. Okay. I still was seeking that, that wonderful place that alcohol gave me the first mm -hmm. time and that wonderful place that God had given me that yeah. experience. And um, it brought me to AA in, in, in 1976, actually. Okay. Be 40, well, it's over 45 years now. And I didn't want to be here. I saw the 12 steps. I saw uh, the word God. And I said, I'm out of here. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a cult. This isn't going to work. And I left. Yeah. And before I left, I looked around in the parking lot to make sure nobody was watching me because, of course, the whole world's looking at me. That's right. right. They don't have anything else better to do than to look at me. Okay. Right. And so I, I continued on that path for a while. And then I went to work for the Adolf Course Company. Oh. I was a tour guide there. And my favorite part was after the tour mm -hmm. when I could have beers with, uh, with the salesman. Yeah. At that time I worked there, they had, they they weren't like they are today. Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't sell the, the beer in every state and all that stuff. It was only West, I think. Yeah. Western states. And so I started in, and it was while I was there that I met a guy that I was drinking with. And he worked there also. And we ran into each other. You know how these things happen all by accident, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> And I ran into him and I, uh, he asked me if I'd ever been to AA. And I said, eh, I think I was, I didn't really want to go back there. He says, oh, come on, Jerry, let's just go to one meeting together. It's not going to hurt anything. Cause I had just wrecked my car okay. again. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I, okay, I was thinking there had to be a reason this guy was asking that. So. Yes, I told him I was in jail. I had gotten out of jail that very morning, I think it was, came to work. And I had wrecked my car again. And he was very suspicious. Let me put it that way, what was going on. <laughs> He's so, come on, just come to an AA meeting. I did, so I did. Okay. But I didn't like it. Okay. okay. And... I would be in and out of the program. I know this is hard to believe, but it's true for the next 20 years mm -hmm. until I got sober in 1996. I had various lengths of sobriety during that time, but I always okay. went back to drinking. All right. And when I look back on it now, I never had the first step. Ah. I read it. 
I could intellectually dissect it. Mm -hmm. But for me, the head is these steps must must be in my soul yeah. rather than just an intellectual exercise. Correct. You, we know a lot of stuff. I think mm -hmm. alcoholics are really, really smart people. Oh, I yeah. do. Very smart. Oh, yeah. And maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe yeah. because <laughs> <laughs> the book tells me that the problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. So there's where the problem is. Mm -hmm. See, it's not so much. How do I say this? It, it's how I react. My alcoholism is how I react to things. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's my reaction. I don't see the world as it is. I see the world as I am. Mm -hmm. Okay. Where, wherever that is, wherever that is in that day. And what these 12 steps have done for me has provided a psychic change mm -hmm. so that I see the world as it is. I don't always like it. Yeah. Doesn't say I have to like it, <laughs> but I see reality and I don't live in my head. Right. I I, it's no longer, uh, I'm no longer out to the movies in my head. Yep. These 12 steps for me, they have ancient principles embedded in them that have been around for thousands of years. Yep. It's not new to AA. Nope. <laughs> but what I like about AA is the book is written in what I like to say as drunk talk. Exactly. Yep. It's written in a language that I understand. Mm -hmm. You know, Dion, when I was out there, I went to psychiatrists and treatment centers and all that and I kept trying to get the treatment centers and the psychiatrist to fix me yeah <laughs> and they would ask me the questions how I handle my feeling today and sometimes what I do is smoke a joint and then go see them mm -hmm. and just kind of trip out on them okay yeah. <laughs> but um they they couldn't fix me yeah they never could. And it was frustrating because I think I went to three or four of them. Okay. And they couldn't fix me. Mm -mm. And so coming to AA and learning to trust and learning to look at things differently, um, I fought it. I yeah. did. It, there was this fight going on in me. And oh, yeah. Because for me, AA is such a radical program. It goes away. It goes against those old ideas we come in with. Mm -hmm. It was very hard for me to let go of old ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, the book says that we must let go absolutely. Well, how the hell do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> it seems an impossible task. It does. It is. It's an, because if lack of power is my dilemma... Mm -hmm. I don't have the power to make this go away. Correct. And, uh, you know, coming into AA, I was a train wreck mm -hmm. for like five years. It took me before I could rub two marbles together. I'm oh, serious. yeah. That's how sick I was. Yeah, it took me well over two years before I yeah. was able to do much. And, you know, we come in here and we want all the answers and everything to be okay now. Yeah. And it doesn't happen that way. Nope. I have found, for me anyway, in the spiritual world, there's a lot of waiting that goes on. Mm -hmm. 
a lot of waiting. You know, God doesn't jump to my tune. I can pray about things, but it's going to happen when it happens. Yeah. Well, you know how to make God laugh. Tell him your plans. Right. So. Yeah. And so, um, you know, this this whole uh, radical change in me took a long time. Mm -hmm. I was 20 years sober. When I had the experience, when I was reading the big book, and it says the problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I heard that and I got it in my soul. Yeah. And when that happened, it opened up a whole new world, you might say, into the spiritual life. Mm-hmm. Because I finally realized that I was the problem. Yeah. The people in AA tried to tell me (laughs) when I was new, Mm -hmm. I said to my sponsor, I remember I got sober at York Street, by the way, and I said to my sponsor, "Um, you know, I don't know what the problem is, really. What is the problem? And she told me this. She said, look in the mirror. Mm -hmm. There's the problem. Yep. And, you know, people would say to me, you know how we're hard on ourselves? We we strive for perfection. Yeah. We're, we're perfectionists, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm striving for perfection. And, um, you know, uh, people started telling me, well, what you need to do is forgive yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, how do you do that? Yeah. How do you forgive yourself? Mm-hmm. Uh Nobody could tell me. Nobody could give me the answer to that question. Okay. Until much later into sobriety, I finally got the answer. I happened to be reading the 12 and 12. The St. Francis, uh, you know, St. Francis Assisi's prayer. Uh Uh-huh. How does it go, Dion? Make me an instrument of thy peace. Peace. You know, where there is hatred. Yeah, I don't have it memorized, but I don't either. But it's along that line. Yeah. You know, and it just hit me like a brick. I had another spiritual awakening that when I forgive others, I am forgiven. Mm -hmm. So the action is is to Mm. forget. When I forgive you, Dion, then then I'm forgiven. I always thought, and wait, the way I've heard it, you got to forgive yourself. Mm-hmm. But nobody could ever tell me how to do that until I met up with St. Francis. Mm. And he kind of whispered in my ear, you know, yeah. saying, you know, if you're looking for love, are you giving love? Yeah. It's the only way to get it back. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But we have to make that effort. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Hey, absolutely. Of course we do. It's like when I, my needs are met through service to others. Mm -hmm. The reason that I am getting my needs met at a hundred percent is because of what I've done. Not what I've said necessarily. Absolutely. Yeah. What I have done for others. Mm -hmm. It comes back to you. It always comes back tenfold. It always does. Always does. We, We were talking about that at the, right before the show too, is, 
you know, I get a lot of joy out of right. seeing people change. You know, sometimes they come on the show and a couple months later, they're just doing so much better. I mean, it's just so, yeah, that is the joy that we get. And that's the effort, the, that's the dividends for the effort that we put into the program. Right. And and, and it's like, uh, we may not like it. I didn't always like it. I, I went through a lot of emotional turmoil with this program. Mm-hmm. Uh, things didn't go my way and I'd throw a fit. And I'd throw a fit, fit in front of God and tell him I didn't like him that day. And mm-hmm. I used a lot of bad words, cussing him <laughs> out. And, uh, you know, I'm still here. So he yeah. must not be insecure, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And feeling he just doesn't have the same problems as me, you know. <laughs> right, you know. And so uh, it's through his mercy and his love for us mm-hmm. uh, that he handed us this incredible program. We are so blessed to have it. Absolutely. Um, because it gives us a solution. Mm-hmm. Tells me how I start out my day. How do I start out my day? Yeah, it even tells you how to do it. <laughs> I know. It says upon awakening. Yeah. <laughs> and I take it literally, Dion. I do. Oh, yeah, I do too. Mm-hmm. So I'm laying in bed. My eyes open up and I ask God to direct my thinking. Mm-hmm. Because even before I get out of bed, I know that that's where the problem is. Finally, it's taken mm-hmm. me years to get that. I mean, I heard the words. I read the words. But I was like, wow, you know, this is either going to work through every problem that I have or it's not going to work. And I found that out by God is everything to me, everything. Yep. And what does it say, Dion? Either God is everything. Or you're nothing. Yeah, there's no in-betweens, man. There's no in-between. There isn't. You're absolutely right. And then it says, what is your choice to be? What's your choice to be? Are you gonna are you gonna continue doing what you're doing or are you gonna you know, jump on the wagon with us? Right. Um, you know, and it's like, do I really have a choice? Okay, let me think about this. I'm gonna uh, either choose death or life. Yeah. Really, that there's the choice. Uh, I, I don't see it any other way. Maybe other people have a different experience with it. But it, to me, it's either life or death. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem like much of a choice to me, but. <laughs> well, for know? unfortunately, it, but for us, and it's much bigger choice than we actually. Right. Think. I mean, in the moment, we don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly didn't. Um, and I certainly didn't know how to apply it in my life. Right. You know, that came with, that came with time. Right. And it, and it does come with timing, but we all had to start somewhere. Absolutely. You know, and they said, fake it till you make it, just act like it's working and maybe it will. I don't know. Yeah. So that's what I did. I just pretended. That's what I did. Yeah. And I showed up, you know? Yeah. I think, uh, fake it till you make it. Uh, people are kind of getting on that one. So yes, fake it till you make it doesn't mean you're faking it. That's the whole point. <laughs> That's right. So if you're in a bad mood, just laugh at silly stuff. You're actually laughing. You're not faking it. Okay? Right. And, and you really are, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, we had these different places in our sobriety. I don't know how else to put it. Sure. I was talking to somebody earlier about it, you know, 
uh, about how they they hit a rough spot in sobriety at seven years and mm -hmm. you know they they hit a rough spot at, at 15 years say uh, I know somebody that's has 16 years of sobriety that's kind of in that spot and I and I get it you know yeah. I get it and I kind of want to talk about uh what happened with me you know I started I was I was doing all the right things, Dion. I was going to meetings. I was sponsoring people, okay. uh, going through, you know, helping them with the big book, doing all that. But I had this feeling of something was wrong. Something was definitely wrong, and I couldn't put my finger on it. I couldn't do it, and things. To, I wouldn't talk about it in meetings. This okay. is what what was really bad. I wasn't sharing with people that I was hurting and that mm -hmm. I was feeling lost and I didn't feel a part of AA. I felt like all the sheep were in one herd mm -hmm. and I was not no longer part of the herd. Yeah. The feeling that I had was I was outside of the herd. Okay. And I kept my pride was keeping me from telling the truth. Yeah. Because in my head, I had this, uh, oh, you can pick up old ideas, uh, new old ideas in AA too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I so, do. Yeah. So I, would, I wasn't sharing. Mm -hmm. I was going through the motion. I was going to meetings, but I wasn't there really um, in my heart. Yeah. And it got to be a very, very dark uh, lonely place for oh, me. Yeah. It's 16 years of sobriety. Yep. And Dan, I'm sure you've heard of people that got drunk. Sure. Uh, with long-term sobriety. And I yep. was getting closer to that part. But the feeling was I didn't want to live anymore because yeah. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't live like this. Yeah. And I went to God and I said, please help me. God, I'm in trouble here. I, serious. I want to die. I told him I wanted to die. I, I, I don't know what's wrong. Something's wrong. And that's when I met my sponsor. I was praying to him that he would send somebody to help me. Yeah. And he did. I heard this man. I never had a man sponsor. Okay. And I heard this man speaking in a meeting. And I just, I, I just, I had never heard what he had said in that way. And I don't, I can't okay. remember exactly what he said. Uh, I was 16 years at that time. And I came to him, up to him after the meeting. And I had this experience. I said, um, I told him I was having this problem. And so uh, I said, um, can you... Um, can you help me? I need help. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I said, do you sponsor women? He said, yes, I do. Yeah. And he started taking me through the steps and, and I finally found what the real problem was. And what happened was he kept me on steps six and seven for mm -hmm. four months, <laughs> for four months down. Nobody had ever taken me through the steps yeah. and stayed on six and seven and talked about six and seven yeah. ever because nobody told my sponsors how to do that. Yep. They just, we went, you know, you get to six and seven, say the prayer and they went right on to step eight. <laughs> Did you sit down for the hour? <laughs> right. Right. You know, 
And when we got to that place, he says, oh, my sponsor said, oh, no, 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 no. We're going to we're going to be here a while. And I didn't think it was going to be, you know, four months. And he started having me look for the miracles in my life to look for the miracles. And every moment that I have today is a miracle every uh -huh. moment. But I started looking for the miracles and we started discussing things. All of a sudden, I start becoming a part of the world. Not only a part of AA, but a part of humanity. I was talking to homeless street uh, people downtown. Mm -hmm. I was connecting with strangers. Uh, I rode the bus from downtown, uh, you know, out. Uh, to the suburbs and mm -hmm. where I went to meetings a day at a time. And I started connecting with other human beings, even the bus driver. And I, and I have to share this story real quick. Certainly. You know, it was a, a, a bus driver. It had just snowed downtown. It was, they were expecting another storm in a few days. And I'm making all nice conversation because remember the world is opening everybody's a friend now <laughs> you know i'm a part of everything and i start talking to this bus driver and he says um why are you talking about a snowstorm that's not going to happen for three or four days he said why don't we just stay in today yeah <laughs> so i just went and sat down and shut up you yeah. know <laughs> and it's called you know we we run into god and <clears throat> every place we go but we have to be open to that absolutely and open to our experiences and we can't be open to them if we're smoking those funny cigarettes and mm -hmm. drinking alcohol and uh eating ourselves into oblivion or whatever we're doing you know to be in the moment is to be in the moment with god i'm not mm -hmm. alone in this thing the new people that are out there we are here for you um I mean, if it was just about us, we could just go back and be the same people we were yeah, before. I, I wouldn't know any of you, actually. And I'd probably have no friends. That's right. And I'd probably be miserable. I'd probably be sober, but I'd be miserable, man. Oh, I think I, I know for, I'd be dead, probably. Yeah. <laughs> That's you like, know. if they ever came out with a cure for alcoholism, I'd be the first one there. That's right. <laughs> you know, okay. Yeah. I know, you're like, all right. So, so it's about the moment that we're in. We're all in mm -hmm. it together. Nobody, even with this diagnosis that I've had, believe you me, Dion, you guys have been with me. I don't yeah. feel like I'm alone out there with it. Uh, I feel like I'm a part of everything, including the incredible doctors and, uh, uh, you know, the medical people that, which I don't understand at all. I mean, that, the side of blood and I'll pass out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how they do what they do. Yeah. But you know, we're blessed to know something about alcoholism. This mm -hmm. disease that is killing people, it's killing them. Yeah. And I should be dead. I know that. Yeah. <clears throat> but we've been given an incredible gift, you know, that uh we've been given a gift to the world, really. I think yeah. that that AA is the greatest miracle of the 20th century. Absolutely. And um, without AA, I don't even want to know what my life would be like. Yeah. You know, I, I have a, that's not even a what if I'm willing to entertain. Right. I don't even want to go there. It's huh. like I've been given the world. Yeah. I've been given, you know, and a gift is like somebody gives you a brand new car. 
a Cadillac <laughs> or whatever. Uh, but you know what? That's all fine and good. We've been given a gift, but I have to maintain it. Yeah. What do I do to maintain it? I have to put gas in the car, uh, have the oil changed, mm -hmm. re replace the tires. Yeah. We've been given this incredible gift of sobriety, but I got to maintain that. Yeah. You know, I do. Yeah. And and so it, it gifts are wonderful, but there's things that you, it's a program of action. Yeah. If it was a program of just thinking about it, I'd be dead already. Yeah. <laughs> because the thought that matters in some cases, but not this one. Not this one. And so, um, you know, we get to do this journey together, just like what we're doing in this moment. Mm -hmm. And the whole point, the whole reason you're doing it is to help others. Mm -hmm. I mean, you yeah. don't get paid for doing this. Nope. You know? It's because we want others to have what we've been given. Absolutely. And it's they can have giving it. it away. Yeah. 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 When we, you know, I don't ask why I'm an alcoholic. I know why I'm an alcoholic because God's given right. me the gift to help other people. That's why. Yeah. And, the, and, and, you the, know, we don't need to worry about why, it, uh -uh. you know, the uh. truth. Yeah. I get that. Why am I like this? Uh, well, it doesn't really matter, does it? No, it doesn't. That's just arguing with God. Yeah. And you ain't going to win. <laughs> no, no, you're not. Yeah, I, I, I was God once and the pay is horrible. So. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I found out in the big book, it says, it talks about this, that we are his agents. He's our employer. I am his servant. Yeah. And so um, I go to him uh, to find out how I can be of service to others. Mm -hmm. What can I do today to help somebody? Yeah. Regardless of what's going on with me and all that. Yeah. I just feel he's going to take care of that. That's his business. Yeah. This life and death business. Mm -hmm. But as long as I'm breathing and in AA, I want to keep being of service to others. Mm -hmm. However that looks. Okay. <laughs> Because um, we get a lot of benefits uh, from it, from yeah. doing this. It's just not, um, it's beyond my wildest dreams, yeah. what I've been given in AA. I, I, I would never have even dreamed that I would find what I have found here. Yeah. It's, it's undescribable. It's not something I can explain. It's something that you have to experience. It is something that you have to experience. Yeah. And, and that's the whole point. Yeah, we get, we get to experience this, mm -hmm. and then know? once once we do that, then we become the people that other people may want. We become productive members of society again, you know. And I think that's the best, one of the best comebacks ever is us coming get the comebacks. Man, they're amazing. It is amazing, and and, and step ten, uh, one of my favorite steps, addresses this. Uh, you know, we have entered the world of the spirit. Mm -hmm. I mean, who does that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, maybe the Pope or something, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but we get to do this. Yeah, we well, get to do this. And now, I mean, you know, on a regular basis, we have 20 meeting at our people. And, you know, every day we get together and agree on things. Right. And that in and of itself is a miracle. I know of 20 stubborn, you know, you know, hopeless alcoholics. Right. So, 
Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I asked God to remove my character defects and all that, you know, my shortcomings. And, and it's just, and I'll just say this real quick, like that, you know, character th defects are those things I shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. And I know what those are. Shortcomings are those things that I should be doing, love, tolerance, patience, all that, and I'm not doing it. That's a yeah. shortcoming. Yeah. You know. Thank you for pointing that out. I, I don't think a lot of people know that there's a difference between those two. Yeah, there is. There's a and difference it, between those two. Oh, things. yeah. And it's a big difference. Oh, it's huge. So. <laughs> it's huge. And so uh, you have to read the words on the page in the big book and not between the lines. It, yeah. It's it's the, the, the black on the white was the way I was taught. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Were, they didn't mince words. No. In it. No, they didn't. They, they, they did not. And I know. Yeah, I know it says our book is meant to be suggestive only, but not for me. I, it's I, not I that way for me. Either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a page 21 drunk. Uh, these are requirements for me. <laughs> yeah, and, and they're the requirements for me. And you know what? They've been that way for 25 years. Yeah. And, it still works. And, you know? and the person, my sponsor did it before me, his sponsor. So it's not like somebody didn't do it before me and I'm the first person and I'm left all... I mean, heck, we have we have so many different ways to get sober now and everything that that uh, you know you should have a shot at it if you want it. If you want it. If you want it. And nobody's uh, you know, God is a gentleman. He's not gonna go where he's not wanted. So you know. Wow. You know, yeah. Great line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know. Jerry, thank you very much uh, for taking your time and coming on today. Oh, I'm so glad I got to do this. It helped me get out of myself too. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And yeah. it's funny because I never ever push the podcast being done. They happen when they happen. That's right. You know, um, and that's when it's that's the way that it works. Um, it's in God's time, man. And we're ready when we're ready. So thank you again. I You're appreciate welcome, it. Dion. And thank you for asking me. It was a wonderful experience for me. Uh, it really was. I had a lot of fun getting to know you a little bit better too. Yeah. Now I get to brag. Hey, no, I know Jerry. I know Jerry. Don't. You? Yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for being uh, up uh, here today with uh, with Jerry and I. Um, you know what I really learned today was, um, you know, forgiving others to forgive yourself. What a concept, um, and what a great way to go out. Uh, thinking about uh, others, what we can do for them, uh, love, tolerance, that is our code. Um, so thank you everybody for being here. My name is Dion. I am your host. I love you guys. Peace out and have a day. <laughs>